0: The first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree.
1: First degree. The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life.
2: You murdered somebody, dude. Like, you murdered somebody in cold blood that you knew and stayed in their house with. You went there, like looked her in the eyes and murdered her.
0: Welcome to The First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting far away from Alexis Linkletter and Billy Jensen. And today is part three of a three-part story, the conclusion to the Dana Laskowski case. If you've waited three weeks to binge this whole thing, I commend you. That's freaking hard. And to everybody that has waited one week for each episode, thank you as well.
3: And to everybody who's criticized us for not labeling it properly as a three-part story, I say, I'm forgetful. Mm. These things happen. (laughs) And uh, this podcast is free. So (laughs) there you go. You listen to it when you listen
0: to it. Uh, Here we are. You know we try we try our best to to appease <laughs> our listeners, and sometimes we, sure we forget to label something, and we hope you'll forgive us. But I feel like this story is so compelling that it is either worth the wait or is worth the mix-up. But mm-hmm. we will conclude it for you, so you can go to bed feeling like you listened to a story wrapped in a little bow. But yes, so, till we get into it, Billy, what day is it today?
1: Well, today is March seventeenth, and you know what that means? Oh yeah, it's Submarine Day.
0: Nope.
1: <laughs> yep, submarine Ooh. day Gotta love a good submarine
0: Oh, like a sandwich
1: No, 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 no An oh, actual submarine. submarine
0: Like a yellow submarine You, almost, you got Jack yes. excited for a second But then mm-hmm. when it, it did you, fizzled out Did you see how my excitement went from none it did To full back mm-hmm. to zero mm-hmm. mm. I did see that I've only but, been
3: on you know one what? submarine so- And I've, it's the Disneyland submarine That's the only one I've ever been on
1: which is not there anymore. And, and someone and just someone just asked me, what what ride would you want to bring back? And it's the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea ride at Disneyland because it was so great. But it was just really, really hard to maintain.
3: And was
0: that even a real submarine? Or did they just kind of dunk it underwater for a second and just sat there? No, they were real submarines. Yeah, on, it was you went on a, a track. It
3: was on a track. You went around. Uh, there were mermaids down there. I was like, oh, my God. A mer-. Like, I thought those mermaids were mm-hmm. real people. It was a whole thing. I loved. They that They used ride. to
1: have real people as mermaids.
3: I love that. I, I know. They, Not they when had I was real, a kid. Real but... people
1: as mermaids at one point. Not when you were a kid, but but when your great-grandfather I think did that second the second um uh thing that he did when he was talking about Disney, they were there when they when that they launched uh Thing
3: he did when he was submarine. talking about Disney. Okay, cool. No,
1: because because he did he did a, he did the grand opening and then he did a second one. When okay. they re, when they relaunched all this other stuff. Like when he's in the monorail with Nixon.
0: Oh, sure. We're sure. talking about Art Linkletter. Well, we're for about anybody Art Linkletter. that isn't connecting the dots. Cuz
1: Alexis's Alexis's great grandfather is Disney royalty, which is the reason why I put up with Alexis.
0: It really it really is. <laughs> True. But Billy. Of course,
1: it it is it's also it's St. Patty's Day. Yeah. Obviously. Oh yes.
0: my gosh. Wha- Billy. I know. That's what if you go if you go back and listen when he was like it's obviously. I'm like of course St. Patrick's Day is like submarine day. No. Like, God damn it.
1: Yes. And remember last year, St. Paddy's Day, was it was such a, bleak. Uh, a blow. Uh, we had just gotten into the pandemic. It's opened up a little bit so far. I think this is hopefully, knock on wood, the last bleak uh, St. Paddy's Day. And uh, let's pour one out for all the bars that, that that left us within, you know, because so many of them are, are gone, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, try to have fun be safe out there.
0: And yeah, if you can if you can safely sit on a patio and enjoy a green beer, please do.
1: Yes, and I just had a a shamrock McFlurry, which was very good today.
0: Oh, oh yeah, that's
1: how I'm celebrating because we're, we're going to be working.
0: So, well, that sounds delicious. Well, uh, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights and turn up your anxiety
1: because this could be you.
3: over a year of investigating the August 2001 murder of 36-year-old Dana Laskowski, the police had gone through several suspects—Dana's husband, her boyfriend, her lover, and the local weed dealer—before ultimately being pointed in the direction of two teenage girls, Dana's 17-year-old niece, Amanda Knott, and her best friend, 17-year-old Emily Lonborg. To this point, the police had gleaned some interesting information about Emily, Amanda, and their relationship— which is rumored to be romantic at several points. And all of these aspects prompted additional questions, mainly, who killed Dana? Was it Emily? Was it Amanda? Or was it both of them?
0: So when Dana's murder happened, Amanda, Emily, and their friends were still in high school. But by this point in our story, when they were finally on the radar of law enforcement, they had all graduated. And our first degree, Ian, who has been with us since the beginning, also graduated, and he enlisted in the military after high school. He had been deployed and worked around the world, and between deployments, he would return home to Washington. And during one of his trips home in 2002, he ran into Emily.
2: I saw Emily in 2002 in the wintertime. I knew Amanda's aunt got murdered, but no one expected Emily or Amanda because they're so young. And who would expect somebody that's that young to do something like that, right?
0: At the time that Ian ran into Emily and Amanda, they were just living their lives and working in Tacoma, Washington.
2: Once I got out of school and I saw both of them outside of school, they were both working at a club in Tacoma, and that's when I went and saw how they were still close even after high school. That was the last time I ever saw Amanda. I know that they were just always together. Anytime you see them outside of school, they're together. Anytime they're in school together...
0: So when Ian saw Amanda and Emily in 2002, the two friends were still a united front. But it's unclear whether they had any idea that police had launched a full-fledged investigation into the two of them.
1: Police were doing a deep dive into each of them. And the natural place to start was to see what kind of criminal history was in their pasts. And as it turns out, Emily's criminal record began in 97... When she was just 14 and was caught shoplifting clothes and jewelry from a local mall. Now, this kind of crime isn't terribly unusual for this age group. Young teens sometimes experiment with morality in this way, including certain hosts of this podcast.
3: I stole panties. It wasn't that big of a deal. It's an experimentation of morality. It's fine. (laughs) They caught me and I gave them back. I never stole anything.
1: (laughs) But Emily's behavior escalated in 1998 when she stole money out of a teacher's purse at school. Now, Emily was actually this teacher's assistant at the time and had been seen in the office just prior to the theft. The teacher confronts her. She denies it, but later confided in a friend that she had, in fact, stole the money. So Emily's arrested, booked, and was released to her mother. She was also arrested for possession of drug paraphernalia during middle school. Then, in January of 2001, eight months before Dana's murder... Emily's arrest on charges of first-degree theft and trafficking of stolen property after being invited to the home of a friend of a friend. And when she was there, she stole jewelry and cufflinks and had a friend pawn the items to get some cash.
3: All right, so switching gears to Amanda, it's a bit more difficult to find specifics about Amanda's criminal history. But there was an odd notation in the court documents that I thought was worth mentioning. So apparently Amanda had been a witness to a murder on a previous occasion— when she was in high school. It's a really odd coincidence. Uh, and there were no other details just saying she had been a witness to a murder. And then also that she had been a runaway and, you know, legally documented as a runaway more than five times. So that's odd. They both have this odd criminal history. But anyways, enough about the past. Where are Emily and Amanda now? So it was soon revealed that Emily had actually gone to rehab in the months following Dana's murder. And in
0: rehab, people talk. They talk a lot. So it seems like a good place for the police to start. So these detectives do some digging, and they find some friends of Emily that she made in rehab. A girl named Jennifer was the first that they spoke with. Jennifer had met Emily after they were randomly paired as roommates at this inpatient facility. And they probed her about any admissions that Emily may have made in passing. And I'm going to read a little excerpt from a statement that she gave police. She says, Okay, I lived with Emily this summer. One morning, and she has a window right above her bed that we went outside to her roof, and we would go there and smoke cigarettes and, you know, have our little private girl talk conversations. Well, she told me one morning... When you and I were doing coke, did you ever black out to where you didn't know that you did something? And I was like, well, not really. I've, you know, smoked a cigarette and then it's been gone. And I didn't really realize that I had smoked it. And I thought somebody else did. But it's just small cases like that. And she was like, well, that's not really what I'm talking about. I was like, okay. She goes, remember when I told you about Amanda's aunt and her dying? And I was like, yeah. And she said, I'm afraid that I killed her. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, we had just an eight ball of Coke and I don't know what happened. And then all of a sudden there is Amanda's aunt and she's dead in front of me. And I'm scared shitless. And she was like, the only thing I knew to do was just to clean up my tracks and get out as fast as I could. I didn't want to go to jail for possession of drugs or for a murder that I didn't even know that I committed. So she said, I just left. Detectives came and they pulled me and Amanda out of class. And we said, yeah, we were there, we had permission, we were doing laundry. You can check the laundry times that the water was running. That's it. And you guys have no clue whatsoever.
1: In addition to the statement you just heard, Jennifer echoed what others had said about the freakish nature of Emily's strength. Said that Emily could arm wrestle and take a man down in an arm wrestling match in 10 seconds. She said she saw Emily pin a guy who was 6'4", 210 with her own eyes. And Jennifer added that Emily confided in her about a situation that happened with Dana, but she had doubts about whether Emily was telling the truth. But then over time, she heard Emily admit to killing Dana on four other occasions when she was sober. On one occasion, Emily said, you know, I killed that lady. Then when Emily and Jennifer relapsed, Emily would say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I've killed somebody, so you better watch out. When asked, Jennifer admitted that Emily never explained how she did this. But she added that Emily would make a remark when they would watch a movie where somebody gets strangled.
3: Believe it or not, Jennifer's interview got even more disturbing. She said that in the past, she'd witnessed Emily burn herself with cigarettes. She said that she saw Emily shoot a dog several times and then put her fingers in the bullet holes. Okay, so this is really, really, really sadistic and disturbing. Um, Jennifer also said that Emily was an absolute kleptomaniac, that she would steal things from anyone at any time without batting an eye. She did this constantly and she did this effortlessly. So as far as what she would do with these items, she would either pawn them or sometimes she would keep them. I mean, some of them had sentimental value to a degree. So what we're hearing here is really disturbing in that we're talking about Emily committing self-harm, harm harm towards animals. And we've heard several times now that she's violent. Um, I don't know. What do you guys make of
0: all of this? I mean, the most disturbing thing is obviously what she was saying that she would do to dogs. I'm not going to repeat it because it is disgusting. But, I mean, obviously there are these stories that people keep describing about her that are kind of putting her in this light that she is more and more uh, of a disturbed individual.
1: Yeah. And we talk about the triad all the time. Uh, You know, the violence against animals is a big thing, Uh, but there's always varying degrees when we talk about people who move on to killing other people uh, when it comes to violence against animals that they did in their youth. But I'm not going to repeat what she did because Jack, I I know you you stepped away from it, but going that far, there's doing the act and then sort of exploring the act even more that Mm -hmm. shows that there's something in her that is kind of blocked off. It's like, I'm going to do something horrible, and then I'm going to sort of investigate what I did, which is really disturbing.
0: Without any sense of remorse or anything at all. It's almost like she does this thing. There's a blank slate on her face and then Mm -hmm. just goes about her day and it doesn't seem to affect her at all. And some of these other things that she was doing is, uh, you know, normal behavior for a lot of teenagers. So it's not as alarming. But then Mm -hmm. when you put the harming, the animals into the collection of the other things that she was doing, then it becomes uh, a whole nother story.
3: Well, right. And we talk about and we hear about Children, you know, 14, 13, exploring morality. That's what I like to call it. Because I myself like shoplifted at that age because you're experimenting with your your own feelings about what's right and what's wrong. And it's like yeah. I sold panties and I got caught and I was like, this feels awful. Never doing this again. You know what I mean? Um, this was horrible. Like I didn't know. It helps you sculpts right from
0: wrong in your own head really well and it's yeah and it's almost the reaction to what you are doing is is the more disturbing thing than the actual act of what she was doing for some of the things that she was doing,
3: totally so we see some normal behavior like at 14 and 15 but usually it's like you get caught your hand gets slapped and that's like a demarcation where then you're like oh shit i'm gonna behave properly Mm -hmm. like most of society and some people are like yeah i'm gonna double down and start one-upping my last thing and I'll, I won't get caught next time. And, and it's really yeah. just that fork in the road. And we saw which way she chose. So as far as Emily goes, the person who knew Emily as a high school student was our first degree Ian. So we asked him if there was anything that he could recall from his experience with her, Emily, that raised red flags for him.
2: Emily was really, was really like her affect and everything was really flat in terms of expressing any emotion. You know, she was always kind of like super excited and stuff. And then, um, I never really saw her react to it. I was hanging out there once I was talking to her and she asked me if I had ever done anything that was so bad that you can't forgive yourself. And I was like, you know, I've stolen something or whatever the case is. She's like, no, I mean something that you can't, you, you can't live with. So I didn't know what she meant. I was seven, I was 17. Like, what what do you mean? Did you stay? I mean, stay out too late. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't think of those things when you're that young.
0: So the police continued to dig up associates of Emily's and they found a second friend that she had met in rehab. Her name was Sarah Johnson. And it's probably no surprise that she also had her own stories about Emily. And according to Sarah, Emily had once said to her, quote, I had a crazy life when I was using. You'll never guess what I've been through you've never murdered anybody. So Sarah said that Emily bragged about killing Dana several times. And Emily had revealed that she had become jealous of Amanda's relationship with her aunt Dana because of how much Amanda loved her aunt. And Dana was Amanda's favorite person. Emily spoke freely about the murder and said that she didn't regret it, specifically citing how Amanda always chose her aunt over Emily. Sarah had also seen Emily be extremely violent. She watched her, quote unquote, curb stomp a girl during a fight once.
1: That's hardcore. Police then tracked down a male friend of Emily and Amanda's, a guy named Brian Smith. He said that he witnessed Emily fighting a male friend of theirs. And within moments, she had the guy down. And he actually explained the method that Emily used to essentially incapacitate this guy. That's important. To listen to. So, Emily had this guy's arm behind his back and her hands around his neck. And at the end, he was all twisted up. And this reminded detectives, remember, of that strange position in which Dana was found when her body was discovered one arm behind her back, one arm over her head, twisted at the waist.
3: With every interview conducted, the police felt they were inching closer to a clear picture of the type of killer they were dealing with a teenage girl or teenage girls who killed in cold blood and really, frankly, seemed to not give a damn. So the next person to come forward with information was a woman named Teresa. She was actually the mother of one of Emily and Amanda's friends, and she told them a very interesting story. So she said that she saw her daughter and some of these kids, Emily, Amanda, this group of friends, smoking weed in her backyard. She went outside and she told them to stop and that they had to leave. The teens begrudgingly began to disperse, but then Emily turned around and walked towards her and verbally confronted her. Teresa snapped back and said she wasn't going to take any lip from a teenager on her own property. And the two sort of had a scuffle, and Emily grabbed Teresa's neck and started choking her. Teresa said in her interview that she could instantly feel how strong Emily was. And she said, looking at her eyes, I could tell she was on drugs. Luckily, everyone else who was there intervened. So the physical aspect of this confrontation didn't escalate. And oddly enough, this confrontation happened this same summer where Dana was murdered. So, what this demonstrates is this just disregard for authority. You know, like the idea that I know that was when I was in high school, if a mom of a friend came downstairs angry or I was like, I'm sorry. Like, please let Mm -hmm. me get on my knees and win you back over. Like, that's a normal rapport between a child and an adult. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, if you're in someone else's home, on someone else's property.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a general respect that you would have for authority.
1: Or you just bolt. You just leave.
0: Right. But you're not going to fight back. So the whole thing with Emily being defiant with parents isn't a shock to Ian.
2: One of the folks that had, or her friends that had grown up near her, and asked about how her mom would never let her over there because of she she met Emily when they, and this is when they were kids. She lived down the street from Emily, and she said when her mom met Emily that her mom said never to go over to that girl's house again just because of something the way she acted. And she didn't listen to parents, she wasn't scared of parents. That was a thing that my friend's mom had said, and that she didn't want. Like, she didn't care. It was like, there's no kind of consequence. Like, you can tell me what to do, I'm not going to listen to you.
0: And now a word from our sponsors.
3: When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus, and I couldn't practice enough, and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program. And it's available on desktop, or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally. First with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent.
0: that's it, that that's all it is, two minutes, and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code DEGREE50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code DEGREE50 at factorymeals.com slash DEGREE50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active.
3: It's almost summer, and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The RealReal is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000-plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply.
0: For police, each story that they heard about Emily somehow ends up getting worse than the last, and they didn't stop coming. The next person willing to talk was Emily's ex-boyfriend named Jamie Willman. And apparently, Emily had lived with Jamie for a point after Dana's murder, and he had a lot to say. And in the course of him providing a statement, he shared that Emily had in fact confided in him about Dana's murder, and what he said was shocking. Quote, Amanda doesn't know, but I got coked out and went to rob her house and I blacked out and she got murdered. I don't know how I did it or anything. I'm not sorry for it because Amanda's a dumb bitch and her aunt's a dumb bitch and Amanda's aunt got what she deserved. Amanda can't find out.
1: Jamie continued with a statement and said that Emily had admitted to killing Dana at least five times during the course of their relationship. She would say, Amanda's a dumb bitch. I'm glad I killed her. Exact words. Jamie said Emily was an alcoholic and prone to flying into a rage. And this is interesting. So apparently Jamie felt for Amanda after Emily told him all of these awful things. So he decided to tell Amanda what Emily said. And it's not clear whether this happened when he and Emily were still together or what. But according to Jamie, when he told Amanda what Emily said... It seemed as though she had no idea that Emily was involved. She became enraged. And at that point, she allegedly cut off her friendship with Emily right then.
3: Okay, here's the thing. All of these things that the police are hearing from those who knew Emily were extremely, extremely damning. But for the most part, it was all hearsay and speculation. What the police needed was something concrete. So they kept digging. So another lead brought police to the door of a young woman named Tani, one more friend of Emily and Amanda's. Now, this interview would end up being key. Immediately, Tani echoed several of the things police had heard several times by now. Emily's strength. Tani described her as buff and actually motioned to her biceps to demonstrate how big Emily's were as she described Emily. Tanny also said that Emily was like a guy in a lot of ways, that Emily had made sexual advances towards her and that Tanny had actually been repulsed when Emily came on to her. So naturally, the subject of Dana's murder moved to the center of the conversation. And what Tanny said is that she heard talk around town that Emily had killed Dana and that she got away with it. But police had heard this. They were on the hunt for something more than rumors and hearsay. But Tanny kept talking. And they started to realize that her information could prove to be key in solving this case. And here is why. When they asked Tani to explain exactly what she heard about Emily's involvement in Dana's murder, she said something that stopped
0: them in their tracks. Tani heard that Emily and Amanda were at Dana's house and for some reason, Dana ended up having to ask them to leave. And this really pissed Emily off. So Emily went back into the house and hit Dana in the head with a brick or a rock. And after that, She put her in a chokehold and killed her. So this was something that the police could actually use, and this is why. When Dana was murdered, the media publicly released that Dana was strangled. But the truth was that Dana had actually suffered a blunt force wound to her head. In fact, the injury she suffered had caused blood casts off onto the ceiling, and they were initially puzzled by what could have caused this injury. And they theorized that it may have been a kick to Dana's head. But now, with what Tanya had told them, they finally knew what had caused Dana's head wound.
1: Okay, we have all this information that the police had collected. They believe they finally knew who Dana's killer was, Emily. But before they approached her, they decided that they were going to take a crack at Amanda. And given that the two friends had had experienced a rift, it's possible not only that Amanda knew but also that she may turn on Emily and implicate her on the record to the police. They sit Amanda down, and immediately the police can tell that she knows something. She seemed guilt-ridden and cagey at first, but eventually she broke. Amanda filled in the blanks about what had happened. On the night of Dana's death, she and Emily had been high on drugs. They went to Dana's house. Emily started being rude to Dana, so she asked the girls to leave. And this is when everything took a turn for the worse. Apparently, Dana had lightly touched Emily's arm, as you sort of do just to guide someone towards the door. And that's when Emily flew off the rails. In a violent rage, she hit Dana in the head before putting her in a chokehold and strangling her with a scarf. And if we're to believe Amanda's version of events... She turned around because she couldn't stand to watch. But Amanda explicitly said that she heard a crack. And then she heard a gurgle. And then she heard Dana gasping for her life. And then she didn't hear anything. Things were taken from Dana's house, and it's not clear which of or both of the teens had robbed Dana post-mortem.
3: So what Amanda is saying is that after this altercation with Emily and Dana, they left Dana's house... And part of her had hoped that Dana would just wake up. Maybe she imagined this gurgle and this crack. And she... They were high on drugs. So they... I think probably they woke up the next morning and were like, was that real? I mean, who knows? You could actually try to imagine how that unfolded emotionally for both of them. But Amanda's account is a little confusing for a few reasons. So remember earlier in the episode when we heard from Jamie, Emily's ex who said that after Emily bragged about killing Dana, he approached Amanda and told her what Emily had said. Amanda seemed shocked when Jamie told her this, which begs some more questions. So after Dana's killing, had Amanda lived in denial about what happened? Had she known the whole time? And was she upset about the fact that Emily was bragging about it? Or was she upset that Emily had broken some pact and started telling people about it? Uh, we don't really know. And of course, the idea that they were inebriated and under the influence of drugs clouds all of this. Um, but certainly she was, in her in her interrogation, able to provide sort of a step-by-step of what happened. So it's, it's very interesting and confusing.
1: But either way, based on what Amanda was saying now, she was aware of the fact that her best friend Emily had killed her aunt. With Amanda's admission combined with what Tani had said about that never-before-released info... Remember about the head injury, the police finally had enough to get a search warrant for Emily's house. And during this search, they found some physical evidence which would allow them to arrest and charge Emily with Dana's murder.
0: When the police arrived at Emily's place to issue this search, she was defiant, which is not really surprising. And she repeatedly stated that she had nothing to do with Dana's murder. But despite Emily's protests, the search of her space revealed a goldmine of incriminating evidence. They found items that belonged to Dana, including a black shirt. And police later learned that Emily had actually worn this shirt that she stole from Dana's house to Dana's funeral, which is the darkest shit that I have ever heard.
3: Yeah, this teenager is terrifying. Honestly, it's so disturbing. So that's actually not all that was found at Emily's. They also found a diary... Or a journal of sorts. So in it, Emily had written a bucket list of things she wanted to accomplish before she died. We won't bore you with the whole list, because I promise it's the, the ramblings of a teenage psychopath. Um, but we'll give you some of them to give you some context. One, record a CD. Own a dwarf <laughs> horse and a dwarf lamb. Or just a lamb. Dwarf horse and lamb. Go to the Caribbean For one month, own a house and condo, start a fatty club. I'm not sure what that is, but here we are. Kill someone and get away with it. So this is something explicitly that police found in a journal of this teenage girl. So in the same journal, there were other admissions related to Dana's murder. There was a reference of a fight between Amanda and Emily where Emily wrote, quote, I should strangle her just like I strangled her aunt.
1: So the police felt they had enough. Emily is arrested. And to say the community was shocked would be an understatement. Remember, Emily was petite. And she was 17 years old when she killed Dana. And also, she'd been hiding in plain sight in the community, seemingly without a care in the world. It was also shocking for Dana's family to find out how many people knew that Emily had killed Dana, but none of them came forward. But then there's another twist. And that's it. Amanda wasn't charged with anything. She was given full immunity in exchange for her testimony.
3: Yeah, I think that is so shocking. Um, mostly because clearly she was there and she aided in this like, rant, you know, robbery of her aunt. And yeah, apparently she loved her aunt. Like if you remember from the last episode, we learned that she wrote this message of remorse in a guest book where Dana's interned at the mortuary. You know, I, I I believe she loved her aunt, but like this is irresponsible and troubling, you know? Like she might not have been the mastermind, but she's certainly not yeah. innocent.
0: Yeah, absolutely not.
1: You know, it's interesting, like what they're doing, you you often hear the the term grooming. Hmm. And and it seems like maybe she was being potentially groomed because there was a a record of this other person being so uh you know just so out there so, you know you know doing things that were so outside of the norm of civilized society and at the end of the day You mean Emily? Yeah. Then it was just like oh she influenced this other person who was also a child but at the end of the day The police want to, and and the DA's office want to get an arrest and they want to get a conviction. And that's what they want. So, if they can get it and there is enough sort of wiggle room there, they're going to go for it. And remember, they didn't have any physical evidence at the scene. They really, really needed Amanda.
0: Right. So, the baffling aspects to this case don't really stop at this weird bucket list that Emily had. All of the stuff found in Emily's possession was essentially the crucial information the authorities needed to issue this arrest warrant. But for whatever reason, the prosecutors doubted that they could prove Emily's guilt to a jury. And this was partially due to the fact that she was so small. They didn't think that they could make people believe that she could strangle a grown woman like Dana. And they also only had circumstantial evidence. And they believed Emily's defense would point the finger at Amanda... And in reality, there was really no way to exclude Amanda as being involved like we were talking about. And even in the presence of Dana's belongings in Emily's home wasn't helpful because Emily had a documented history of being a kleptomaniac, and she had admitted to being at Dana's house several times prior to this murder.
1: Despite the fact that Emily appears to be a dangerous psychopath, the state allowed her to plead guilty to a lesser charge of manslaughter. And the process of her guilt plea was labeled as a Newton plea. And that means that she doesn't have to admit to the homicide, but admits that if she goes to trial, there's enough evidence to convict her. And here is what she got as a sentence. Six and a half years in prison.
3: That is crazy. It really is crazy. It's so upsetting. If you think about it, like Dana was a mom of three triplets And literally was just like letting these kids around her like to throw them a bone and help them out it's so sickening really so disappointing so sad and then you hear about these other stories like this isn't a manslaughter like she had killing someone on her bucket list like how did this Mm -hmm. happen so emily goes to prison just for six and a half years and it's during this time that she felt compelled to reach out to ian who's our first degree
2: I didn't find out she was in prison until 2004, so that time frame when she went to jail, I got, a, I got an email from my friend telling me that Emily was in prison, and she wanted my address to write me.
3: Ian was still in the military, and he was in the middle of Iraq when he received a letter.
2: And I was in the middle of Iraq and, and grabbed a piece of mail, and I was like, what is this? Because it says it's Washington State Department of Corrections. And so I open it and it's her talking about how much she misses me, not like a love letter and just friends, but the two things I remember the most from the letter are she was super focused on her 10 year reunion. Cause she wanted to go to that. And this is only, we've only been out of high school for three years, but she would get out of prison right before the 10 year high school reunion. So that was what she was really focused on.
3: Okay. So while Emily is behind bars for killing her best friend's aunt, all she's focused on is their high school reunion. So after she talked about the reunion, she actually gave Ian her version of the events that transpired on the night of Dana's murder. And here's what Emily told him.
2: We went to Amanda's aunt's house. Amanda's aunt was super mean to us and started hitting Amanda because Amanda owed money to her aunt. And so I... I stepped in and was trying to stop her from hitting her, and then that's how she died. And, and we didn't tell anybody because we were too scared. I be, you know, I, did, I didn't know any better. I believed her.
0: So at this point, there was no Facebook, and Ian didn't know any info about Dana's murder besides what Emily had told him herself because he was in the middle of Iraq. But eventually he returned to the States and learned the truth.
2: There must have been like 2009, 2010, I got an email from her, a Facebook request. I finally looked up the case again, and I found out that she had murdered her. All the, physical, all the physical evidence showed that she had put her arm behind her back and, like, strangled her from the front. It was really bad. And the whole story that she told me was completely wrong. So that was the first time I really realized that she murdered somebody instead of self-defense. And she decides to murder her for money. I think she should still be in jail. I think she should serve at least 25 years, and also show the truth and tell what happened. You murdered somebody, dude. Like, you murdered somebody in cold blood that you knew and stayed in their house with, you know? That's not just a a random robbery. That's not just something that happened. You went there, like, looked her in the eyes and murdered her. I don't think she's even talked to the family before about it. I, I would be shocked if she said sorry or anything about it to anybody.
3: Ian avoided having additional contact with Emily, but he actually ran into her after she was released from jail.
2: I know that when Emily got back into Tacoma area, that she changed her last name. I think she even changed her first name. At that time, you could look her name up and you could find pictures of her anywhere. I got out of the military, I started working, and then in 2012, when I graduated with my master's, Emily moved back to Tacoma and... I saw her and I was so struck by seeing her and I was so uncomfortable that I just said hello. And then I left and we were at a bar and the guy she was with is this guy that we went to high school too. And that guy, there's all these stories about him that he'd put like dead cats on the front of girls' uh, houses that he didn't like. And I was like, how are these people, now they're dating, and it's like the worst combination.
1: Obviously, Dana's family was disgusted at this slap on the wrist that Emily received for literally choking the life out of Dana. And like you said, Lex, she had three children, and these children are now forced to grow up without her. And Emily is now out of prison. She changed her name, she got married, and she became a mother. She enjoys the exact kind of life that she stole from somebody else.
2: It makes me sad especially for Dana's daughter. She had three kids, kids triplets. I couldn't imagine what they've lived through, how much it affects the victims. I mean, I have no idea how that would affect the family and how much that is just the destruction of so many people's lives. It makes me sad. It she's really sad.
0: Now there's one loose end left to tie up in this case. What about Amanda? What kind of blame lands on her? We asked Ian what he thought.
2: I think that's really hard because Emily, like, she was very aggressive and very influential. I'm sure that Amanda was scared. I'm sure Emily threatened to hurt her. And, you know, I would be scared, too, if I was in Amanda's shoes. But also, she still has a responsibility to her family. Amanda is just as culpable for standing there while her family member gets murdered, who has helped her grow up, you know. I mean, she's probably she's even more responsible because she didn't protect her family, nor did she step in to try to stop that. I think I found her on Facebook, and she is like has tattoos all on her face and stuff. I barely recognized her. She's been obviously not doing well since high school. I think if Emily hadn't gotten caught, that then then she probably may have done it again. And Amanda, I think is just as guilty.
0: All right, well, a huge thank you to Ian for being with us for the past three episodes. Thank you so much for sharing your story. If anybody out there is listening and they have a story to tell, please email us, hello at the first degree podcast.com. While you're at it, follow us on Instagram at the first degree at Alexis Linkletter, at Billy Jensen, at Jack Vanek. Join our Facebook group. We're talking true crime all the time. Search the first degree in the search bar and stick around because we're going to kill some time.
1: And remember, only you can prevent serial killers. But keep your friends close.
3: But not, but not that but
0: close. close. Happy St. Patrick's Day! It's a green day. Woo, woo! Drink a green beer, bitches. Beep beep.
3: Wear one of those green top hats. It'll be better than Billy's hat.
0: Oh my gosh.
3: Bye. Shout out to Giard Monaco for his sound design and creating original music for the first degree to our producing team, Caitlin Cleveland, Taylor Rogers, and Alan Santiago for podcast one. Sources for this episode include core documents, Ancestry.com, NBC News, and as always, our first year guest is always our largest source.
0: All right. Well, welcome to yet another episode of Killing Time. Now, we are recording this episode on a Sunday afternoon. And I'm not going to lie, Alexis, I actually forgot that we were going to record. So I had like an entire Sunday Funday brunch extravaganza (laughs) beforehand.
3: That just makes things better for for the flow and the uh, chemistry. I'm here for that.
0: It really does. Like having a few drinks in us, it makes a difference. I'm sure you guys have noticed when we uh, do a, a morning recording, when we are completely stone sober, it's uh, a little stiff. It's not there. It's a no. <laughs> it's a little, a little stiff. stiff. <laughs> yeah, a little dry. Um, before we jump into killing time, I mean, we have to acknowledge the fact that Billy is uh, wearing another hat. Do we need to discuss it? Because when we're doing our test, we do a little sound check before every killing time. And, uh, Alexis started going on a rant about Billy's hat. Just
1: lit right into me. We didn't even get a chance to say hello. Laying right in.
0: Laying right in. So Alexis just, uh, uh, let's, let's hear what we have to say about Billy's hat. Well, now I think though, this is
3: novelty for him. I think this is a fun little game he likes (laughs) to play because he knew, he knew what I would do. He knows exactly how we feel. The hat was met with Um. strong opposition. Um, In the last few weeks from our Facebook group, from Instagram, lots of not lots of negative feedback about the hat. So I was curious Mm. about what he uh, what his intentions were, A, Mm. and B, you know, he said, you know, I haven't showered. And I'm just like, dude, we're on a digital, very grainy screen, like don't shower and just don't wear the hat like your hair dirty still looks better than that hat for the love of God. What?
0: Billy, is this a cap or is this now a newsboy hat? That's a, this
1: is a newsboy hat, and I'm not gonna let you two <laughs> run my life, okay? I'm gonna do what I wanna do, and if I wanna act like I'm in newsies, a very popular musical, if I wanna doff my cap when I'm walking down the street and say good day or something like that, I'm going <laughs> oh my to do God.
0: that.
3: Billy, that's fine as long I'm as you live know, my life. As long as you know that everyone is. As long as East- I don't do it in front of you. That's not what I... If you would let me speak, then I would finish my sentence. But no, what I was saying is that everyone in the Facebook group said it it's for old people. It's for old, old men. And then it ages people. Or Mm -hmm. or your old Mm
0: -hmm. English little kids. Or little Mm -hmm. baby English kids. Yes. You haven't seen
1: the Facebook group that started that says, Billy, we love the hat.
0: Why are you yelling? That has
1: 7,000 members right now. Why are you yelling?
0: Why are you yelling? (laughs) He is very... I honestly... Before we started this, because our video quality is very grainy, I thought that he was wearing a baseball cap. So I did not understand Alexis's disdain for the headwear that Billy was wearing. But now that I understand that it's a newsies cap, mm. this is a problem. This is this it's is on right. purpose. What,
1: what you have against news? I'm waving news. my
0: finger at you. What you have against news? No, against news, I have a lot yeah. of problems against news. No, that I'm not going to really. get into right now.
3: No, <laughs> this is why Billy wanted to do this. He wanted to try this voice thing out. He wanted to do this in <laughs> <on> the podcast. <laughs> I veto this. We're moving on. <laughs> voice thing. He's like, well, you oh, what you prob- have? What problem you have against what? news?
0: What's no, all that? No,
3: no, no, no. We're not doing this. We're not doing this. No. Um, no. <laughs> hat discussion over. If that's going to happen,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um,
0: take a shower, dude. By the How way. About she- that? By the way, check, the out, subject. check
1: out the check out the first degree merch store. We'll be having the hats.
0: We will never, ever, until the day I die, have a newsies <laughs> hat on our first degree merch store. Nobody right. makes them because they're check, hideous on every man.
1: Check out my personal uh merch store where I'm gonna be making hats.
0: That'll be Yeah,
3: Billy's yeah. gonna that's link a, Billy's a, gonna a, no, Billy's, to anyone. Billy's gonna link to the Kangol store and the, you can beat your hat there.
0: <laughs> Not an. Ad. I told and you hat. I was almost, almost going to buy a Kangle bucket hat. I think almost. you should. I think you should. I think We
1: had this discussion like two years ago too. This has been a, this has been something that's been sitting in your in your shopping cart forever.
3: No, I
0: know, and I'm like, why is this bucket hat eighty dollars? <laughs> I thought Kangle was a brand from the '90s that has gone down downhill, but apparently it has not. Well, just
1: because LL Cool J took it off doesn't mean it's downhill.
0: No, I I think it's fucking dope. I was just very shocked at the price tag because bucket hats are. Very cheap to make, but hat chat over. I do like our hat chats, guys. I feel like it really brings us together after. After tearing us apart. After yeah. tearing, Yeah. It's like, yeah, when you when you fight with a significant other and then yeah, you're my, like, I feel so my, much closer to you.
1: Yeah. My therapist loves it.
0: <laughs> Have you talked to your therapist about the hats? Hat chat?
1: No, I've not. I've not. But it's it's definitely on the list. There's a lot of other
0: <laughs> things before it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it could be very significant. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, hatch out over now. So I wanted to get into, this is something I wanted to bring up uh, a couple weeks ago, but we keep getting distracted by so many things. Alexis had sent me an article about, uh, this man that faked his own kidnapping because he didn't want to go to work. Do you remember sending this, Alexis? Of course I remember sending that because I wish I was envious of that man. This guy, should I give like a TLDR for our listeners and then we can discuss? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So an Arizona man, which Billy feels very connected to, was arrested mm. after faking his own <laughs> kidnapping because he did not want to go to work. He was 19 years old and he was found roughed up and helpless on February 10th, a couple miles away from Phoenix. And he told police that he had been kidnapped by two mass men. In actuality, police said that he did it all to himself. He informed us that he at first stuffed a bandana in his mouth. Afterwards, he took off his own belt and bound his hands with his own belt. He laid on the ground and scooted out to the side of the road so somebody could see him. And then he waited. I mean. Did they say what the job was? Let me see. I don't think they ever did explain what kind of job he was working for. I
3: love the melodrama of this guy. He's like, no, the the dramatics. So good. He he worked at the tire factory. Mm. Oh well,
0: yeah. The smell of rubber is never fun. So yeah. is that like he was replacing tires or something like that, or maybe worked in it was a making I was making, making tires? tires. Yeah. yeah, I get. I totally get not wanting to go to that job or any job. Frankly,
3: <laughs> I sometimes lay in bed <laughs> and, and wonder how I can get out of my life, and then I, I'm too deep in it. Like I'm too. I'm too tethered to my responsibilities where it's too late for me but if you can save yourself you should
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you how would how would each of you get out of a day of work and i know you both work for yourselves so it's a lot harder and so do i that it's it's harder to justify trying to escape your daily work life from maybe yeah you know, faking a kidnapping. But if you were to do it, what would you do?
1: Well, I mean, going back to like looking at like my first jobs, like being a teacher's assistant at, at a university, I, I could never not go to that. And then working for my dad, there was no way in hell I could ever not go. So but then like when you when you're starting to like work at newspapers and things, I'm trying to think if I ever did anything. Yeah, did you was- play hooky? Did I ever play hooky? I, you know what? I might have once, but I might have done it because I had another job. Like I had to go work. So I, I was doing a freelance gig and I had to give an excuse to go do the freelance gig to make some money on the side.
0: You're so productive, Billy. Yeah. What about you, Alexis? You've had some uh, odd jobs that I feel like you've tried to get out of. Um, when I,
3: So my day job in like true crime, I never miss work. I If I'm sick, they send me home because they're like, you're going to get a sick, but... I never want to miss it. I hate, being, I hate being in the red. I hate having the anxiety about like my workload piling up. So, but I remember when I was in college and Jack, we would go out and I was doing bottle service at clubs like while I was in college. That's and what I was thinking. Be, I'm like, how did you, you get would all that? be, You guys would all be going out and I'd be like, I'm going to go shake some sparklers and pop champagne bottles around. Um, how do I get out of this? And I would, it would be everything. It'd be like, I have a flat tire. And they'd be like, you live three blocks away. I'd be like, shit, okay. <laughs> um, have to go to work. But like, it was an experiment, you know? It, yeah, cramps you, you usually have works. To- cramps, saying you have cramps to a male general manager and be like, I am bleeding everywhere and I have terrible cramps. I mean, they're usually just like, stop texting me. Just, I'll see you next week. <laughs>
0: Yeah, just <laughs> makes be them so very descriptive of how your period is affecting you And then exactly. nobody's going to say anything about it
3: That's right, that's right So that works yeah. um, Jury duty works if you work during the day But
0: that, again But that's that's only going to work once You got to plan your time wisely Of when you want to be out for jury duty And then when, then what if you then get jury duty right after? Then you're fucked mm.
3: I've been ignoring jury duty notices I have like two sitting on my dresser
0: I feel like everybody does, don't they?
1: That's not good. You should never ignore jury duty notices.
3: I didn't ignore it. And you should never –
1: if you ignore jury duty notices, you should never complain about any verdict. Oh, God. Ever.
3: Billy, (laughs) I bet you a million dollars you have ignored every jury
0: notice you've ever received.
1: Nope. Don't believe me. I never get picked, but I do do not ignore them.
0: You haven't gone to any juries? You haven't been a juror? I never
1: get picked. I've been down there and then like – They'll say, what do you do? And then I tell them, I don't even tell them I'm a crime journalist. I say I'm a journalist. And then they, you know, then like an hour goes by and then they just say, all right, all you people go home. You're too connected. They kick some people. You know.
3: Well, it's because you're wearing that hat that they send you home.
1: <sighs> that might have been it. They're
0: like, this they're guy. highly distracting in the courtroom. They're like, he is a character <laughs> in a Disney movie from the 50s. They're like, what is this Benjamin Button doing in this courtroom? <laughs> Can't be trust. No, you cannot trust it. Imagine going on a first date with a guy with a newsies hat. No, no way. It would not no happen.
3: It would not. No. It would. I
0: would walk in and walk right out, right out, right out. Or seeing oh. a newsies hat on a dating app. Nope. Mm-mm. 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 I'd be like, "What hipster? New hipster shit is this? I'm
3: good. I'm Somebody solid. Could- He's gonna try mm. to tell me about the news, and I've had enough." <laughs> <laughs>
0: I've had enough of the not news for, for today. To tell
1: you about the news. <laughs>
0: well, Listen, we you. get bombarded with the news. I definitely don't need a newsie telling me about the news.
1: Do you realize the newsies, that was the entire way that you got news back in the 1890s?
0: Yeah, but we're not in the 1890s, Billy. Billy I'm going to start when you're
1: mad, at, like when, when, in you're the
3: mad 1890s. when you're mad at people or mad at me. Are you gonna just start throwing rolled up newspapers at, at me? <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> are you gonna like are you gonna like ride by my apartment on a bicycle and like throw <laughs> rolled up newspapers at my window when I'm trying to sleep and shit?
0: He'll have such good aim, he'll know exactly how to hit your window so it'll break. Oh my god. And then I'll right, call the cops. Yes.
3: I'll be like, there's a man who looks on the loose. Who looks young? Yet his hat has to be
0: confused. He might be his hair citizen. His hat screams <laughs> hundred and twenty years old. Right. So the description- don't you people-
1: see you- the anachronism that you guys are doing is just embarrassing? Because Newsies actually stood on the corner and yelled out, "You know, extra, extra, read all about <laughs> you're it." Talking about, about, about a paper
3: boy.
0: <laughs> yes. Billy- yeah. You're talking Billy- about paper boys. Billy, why are you yelling? Again, <laughs> because he's That's passionate about defending himself because he knows he's in the wrong.
3: I'm going to buy one of those hats and burn it. In li- right. I'm going to live stream
0: burn <laughs> one of those hats.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's your first TikTok right there.
0: Wait, we should do that. Absolutely. Done and Remember done. Remember when I tried to burn... Uh, when I broke up with my ex-boyfriend, I tried to burn a rose he had given me. Remember, Alexis, they're I was too with you. We want to the beach. Moist. They're too moist
3: to burn. They're too they're moist,
0: hard. and then it, it was did too windy. What do we do? Just stab it? Did we
3: start stabbing it with sticks or something? We did. We started stomping on it. I
0: don't know. What I tried did. to throw it into the ocean, and then it was too windy, and it, windy. Flew, back. it flew back. It was like that scene <laughs> at Arrested Development when he tried to throw the letter into the ocean. It just flew back and hit him in the face. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. But we will do this with the Newsies hat. We will find a day that it is not windy. And we will bring kindling so that it's dry
3: and ready to be
0: ignited. Yeah. And it will and then it you'll will,
3: dump the
1: ashes into the Pacific, like in *Pig Lebowski.
3: The sweet, sweet, sweet embers will be dumped right into that cold, dirty ocean.
0: Yep. <laughs> Along with all the other trash in there. It'll be Billy Jensen's hat. We got to steal his hat first, though, Alexis. It can't just be any hat. It has to be a Billy's hat.
3: I'll go get it. It's fine. I'll get it this week. Do yeah. not bring that on our yeah. trip.
0: Won't, oh, it's coming won't. No <laughs> No, let's, I, this is your I'm, perfect opportunity to steal it on the trip He just won't have any idea where it went yeah.
1: Right. And I won't okay. be able to You know what? You you steal it from me Thank God there's Amazon And there'll be one there the next day
3: Ooh. It will never An stop. Amazon one? No I know. I know, at least get like a Gor, What is it? Gorgon Brothers?
1: These are all, all Goren's. yeah
3: Goren Brothers yeah, yeah All right, well, I think we've had enough of that And we've had certainly we've enough of had that Had enough of it, that too much hat chat. It keeps coming back. Yeah, Too much chat. Sorry hat. about the hat
0: chat, everybody. It's
3: a distraction, and it's a problem. So we'll address this at some other time. Time of death, 1425. beep, beep. Beep.